as you can see from our announcements, we've invested in India, both in people and in infrastructure technology. Uh, and we think that there's a, there's a bright future ahead. So, you know, we're leaning in. We are leaning into India. Thank you so much, Abe, for joining. Thank you, Aparna, for joining. You know, uh, you know, we are excited that you took time to just talk to us. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to talk to both of you is that in this pandemic, while we are hearing a lot of words, one word that has become very ubiquitous and you know part of all our lives in some way or the other has been Zoom. Uh, for any kind of a call that you do, you say Zoom call, like let's do Zoom <laughs> call. And, but with that, I would like to understand, you know, it has become one of the most talked about brands, but I would say that it has come with its own fair share of the good, the bad, and a little bit of ugly. I want to take, you know, understand from both of you, what have you made sense as far as Zoom is concerned uh, as a brand, as a as a, uh, you know, as a tool, which everyone has been using in the last few months. Sure, I'll, I'll start. And Sharada, thank, thanks, for, thanks for having us on the webinar. It's really good to be here today. And I, I would say, look, I think we were all surprised to see how much excitement grew for Zoom in such a short period. You know, we, we started the year, I, I think, in a very healthy position with, you know, 10 million meeting participants daily, globally using the service, and that's free and paid accounts. And then very quickly, by the end of April, that number had grown to about 300 million meeting participants daily, free and paid. And we were all, uh, I think like everybody, surprised and humbled by the fact that the service took on so much meaning for businesses and for schools and for government and for healthcare and really just about every, every use case you could imagine. So. Uh, there's a lot that comes with that. You're right. There's a lot of responsibility to ensure that the service is performant, to make sure that we're servicing our customers and delivering happiness. That's the most important thing for us. And that uh, we're keeping people you know, engaged. And, and for, uh, for us, that means kids are, are learning and that learning continues online or that businesses are growing and that happens online through Zoom or, you know, people are just having ways to connect socially where we're important to celebrate or otherwise, all those things are important. So a lot comes with that, a lot of responsibility, but we think we've done a, a good job to, to react as, as quickly as possible. You know, I think Abe summarized it really well. Uh, I don't think anybody could have anticipated a pandemic in which, you know, we can't see our loved ones. You know, my, I have an aunt and uncle who live about three minutes down the road from me, but we are socially distancing and sort of quarantining away from them because they, I don't want to put, you know, my, my aunt and uncle, uncle at risk, um, given their age, um, you know, and, and sort of the, the, the demographic vulnerable to this pandemic. Um, it's very sad for us. And we, we do zoom calls too. Uh, and we do sort of socially distanced visits, but, um, I think nobody could have anticipated this type of situation. Honestly, for us, it was 
an incredible privilege and an obligation, I would say. If we have the platform to allow for that type of human connection when it's sorely needed, um, even better. I mean, look, you can see the person's expression, you can see their feeling, you can, you can, you can have a very human connection over Zoom. And I think that's been a tremendous privilege for us to provide. Uh, the other thing I, I would say is I have personally been very surprised by the number of use cases for Zoom. Everything from yoga classes, uh, my personal trainer, I have a personal trainer who is down in the downtown Saratoga, small little sleepy village, uh, used to go Saturday mornings and now she's on Zoom, uh, you know, and uh, able to keep her business alive. Uh, the amount of, you know, sort of use case, whether it's weddings, you know, there was very heartfelt funerals on Zoom, um, you know, grandmothers, birthdays, bar mitzvahs, you know, weddings, etc. cetera. Um, the, the use cases have just exploded in a very positive way. And so that's very um, lovely to see, but couldn't anticipate it. As Abe said, when we exited December, we were firmly targeting workplace collaboration. Uh, we had our free service as well, but still we, we were firmly targeting workplace collaboration. And I think the world has taken Zoom to a place where I couldn't have even imagined. One of the things which keeps on coming in conversations, and we see a lot of it on social media, were the issues around, you know, two things which your founder, CEO also addressed in his blog. One was whether Zoom is secure as a platform, and then there was this whole thing on the Chinese uh, companies and the world over, there is this whole movement of, you know, celebrating your own uh, a country, your own products. And in India, we have recently seen the launch of one of the biggest platforms similar to Zoom. So I just want to understand from, you know, as spokespeople, as people in Zoom, what do you make sense of these and what would you like to be, tell people here in India? So, I mean, let me take the security and sort of the data privacy front. Um, we have done a tremendous amount of work over the four months to increase the security and privacy of our platform. And let me just put this in context. As I said, when we were um, you know, exiting December, we were solidly focused on workplace collaboration as our primary use case. And we target businesses. So you know, small businesses, medium-sized businesses, but really large enterprises. Uh, and what happens with those large enterprises, our, our service and our product is so flexible that their IT departments will take the, the product and customize to their liking. So if they want a particular security feature, they will take it. If they don't want it, they will, if they have their own sort of flavor to add for it, they will do that. Um, with the increase in the usage, what we realized is we essentially had to become, you know, the world's IT department, uh, if you will. And that presents a challenge for a company that's, you know, used to selling into IT departments that like the control for themselves. And so we've done a lot from the security front, whether it's the meeting disruptions or the, so the, 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 the encryption, et cetera. So let me just tell you a few things that we've done. We upgraded our client to 5.0, which then 
upgraded our encryption capability to AES-256 GCM, which is industry leading for your, um, your, your users out there. Uh, we took all of our security features and we, if you're the host, now you can see them on a little security icon at the bottom of your, of your user interface. Um, and so, for example, it keeps all of those security features into one spot so you don't have to go find it in different places on the UI. We also, you know, for free users and pro, certain pro users and also for our K through 12 school components. So for our education component, we made passcodes and, man, and waiting rooms mandatory. And that's really important because if you think about what was happening in the school situation, you know, teachers were taking the platform. If they didn't have sort of, you know, guidance or education, they would turn off the security feature. They'd turn off the waiting room because, you know, my poor child, my poor student is sitting in the waiting room and I can't, you know, I can't remember to go grab him every, you know, every, every five minutes if he's late. But unfortunately, if you don't have the waiting room, then people can come into your, your, or into your meeting, especially if you publicize your meeting numbers publicly. So these kinds of issues, we, we not only made those changes, but we educated the teachers. We, we rolled out lots of webinars and lots of educational oppor opportunities to educate our user base. We also announced that we were going to have end-to-end -end encryption, you know, towards the, the end of the year. Um, and we're rolling out a beta, you know, pretty soon in the next couple months. Um, you know, that is, has not done, been done before in large scale video format. So I'm actually very proud of what we've been able to accomplish and communicate in the last four months. I think it's, it's definitely sort of set the standard for the industry. But if you look back to some of the genesis, again, it's, you know, a use of a product that was for workplace collaboration, now going mainstream for consumer use. And we've had to shift our sort of, you know, um, mental framework to address those use cases. The other point about China, I would say that we are a US company. We're traded on the NASDAQ. Um, you know, our founder, he's ethnically Chinese, but he is a US citizen, has been a US citizen for a very long time. And he's lived in this country for, since 1997. He has started a business, contributed significantly to jobs in the US and jobs globally. Um, you know, I would say there's, um, we're, an, we're um, an American company. Now we are very interested in India. Um, India is one of the largest markets in the world for tech in general, lar second largest teleco teleco market and a user base that includes very large tech con conglomerates based in India uh, that are looking to connect globally. And if you think about it, most enterprises around the globe want to connect to Indians as well. And we want to be that connective tissue that provides that connection. Moreover, it's one of the, the, the largest uh, you know, operational hubs in the APAC region. Again, we want to be part of that connective tissue. And finally, it has some of the best tech talent um, out there. So it's a no-brainer for us to invest in India. Yeah, bottom line, Shraddha, we, we feel really, really strongly about India. Uh, I've been going to India for a long time. In fact, I helped build the WebEx franchise in India myself. And I think the collaboration market's really, really right. You know, the point is, there's always going to be competitors. You know, when we started the company nine years ago in 2011, we knew that the space was crowded. There was global players. There were local national players. And we expect that. You know, our focus is to do the best we can on building a, a really great product in a very, very difficult category. It's not easy to build seamless video that just works every time. 
and that has usability and attraction the way that Zoom does. And we're, we're focused on that. So, you know, we'll stay committed to doing, doing our work as best as we can. And we know that it's a large market out there, both in a global position and certainly in India as well. Uh, but we expect to compete. You know, we expect to bring a fantastic product to India. And hopefully people like yourself continue to use it and hold mm-hmm. your, your interviews on Zoom. And it all works out. It all works out. What are some of the things that uh, uh, you are thinking as of today that, uh, you know, you will be doing to address uh, this growing number? And the second thing is, if you could both of you share some of the things that you're planning specifically for Indian market. Shraddha, that's right. Look, I think there's a couple things there. You know, we continue to create a a platform that is safe and secure. That's number one. And a way that will scale, right? You know, we anticipate that they'll continue to be usage around the world and we want to serve that. Uh, as it pertains to India, you know, uh, you're right. We made a big announcement, myself and Aparna and, and Valchami, our president of product and engineering. We're on a call with Samir Raj, our country, country leader for, for India. We think, again, that there's a bright future for us in India. And we think that that pertains to tech talent. So the launch of our Bangalore Technology Center was announced about a week ago. Really exciting. That's one of our, that's our third technology center. We announced in uh, the United States too, in, in Pennsylvania and also in Arizona, and then subsequently in Bangalore, which is really, really exciting. Incredible rich talent there. You know, we've had a position in the com- country for a while. So we had, we had an office already in Mumbai that was growing. You know, we have two data centers, not one, but two data centers in India and Hyderabad and Mumbai. And, you know, we see that uh, as long as we can continue to focus like we have on developing the right partnerships and servicing the right customers, uh, we think that there's a lot of room both in the SMB space, mid-market, enterprise, government, education, and then generally consumer uses we're seeing as well. There was about a 67 times increase in use of the free accounts that happened from January to April. And in that same period, our paid accounts actually increased by four times in that same period. So, you know, uh, we'll, see how, we'll see how the market continues to go. But as you can see from our announcements, we've invested in India, both in people and in infrastructure technology. Uh, and we think that there's a, there's a bright future ahead. So, you know, we're leaning in. We are leaning into India. That's what I would say. A prime minister in the country talked about Atmanirbhar Bharat, which is about, you know, getting vocal for local. One of the largest companies, again, I want to say, made a huge announcement, has come up with an equivalent, if I may say so, for video conversations like this. What do you have to say to that? Yeah, um, so I would say that we have been competing uh, with a lot of very, very large incumbent tech providers, maybe legacy tech providers, uh, since we were founded in 2011. Um, the, the video conferencing market wasn't new. The quality and the connection, um, the, the user experience that Zoom provides is what makes it so special from a technology perspective. And, you know, a UI is one aspect of that. Um, So, you know, what you see on the screen is just one aspect of it. Uh, What goes into it is uh, of an innovative, scalable architecture, um, a global network that provides the connectivity for people across the globe so that you and I can, you can see my wrinkles, Shraddha, and, you know, I'm sitting so many miles away from you across the world, uh, you know, exactly on the different time zone, 12 hours 
behind you. We have that ability to deliver that level of service that is just beyond sort of what you see on the screen. Um, and very importantly, it's uh, a focus on the customer and the customer feedback. We are laser focused on incorporating feedback real time as it comes from our customers. And I would say the totality of, the, all, of all of that makes Zoom what it is today and will make Zoom what it is tomorrow. Uh, and so that is how we compete. We view competition, honestly, as a reason to be more hungry and to, or to be hungrier and to want to do better and strive to deliver happiness, as Abe puts it, to our customers over and over again. So competition doesn't necessarily bother us. It actually makes us, you know, stay more nimble. Sure. Well, you know, I think, uh, I think a part of it on the head, you know, the, the truth is it is a hard product to build. And, you know, we spent nine years creating a platform that can scale on this level, uh, deliver the highest quality video with the simplest approach in a secure fashion. That's not easy. As it relates to like the local nuances, I think it's important that we deliver a global standard like we have with the quality that people expect. It seems like, you know, from the usage that people in India are appreciating that. And there's many global products, as you know, in India that, that perform very, very well against local national competitors. At the same time, you know, that's why we put infrastructure, for example, in India, not one, but two data centers, one in Hyderabad and one in Mumbai. You know, we continue to work and communicate closely with the Indian government because we want to be productive and we want to be able to be part of, you know, part of uh, the way business is conducted correctly. And then we also want to scale. You know, the, the Bangalore Technology Center is a suggestion that, you know, as we're a global player, uh, we believe in local presence. And India is one of those markets where we're, we're, we're happy to announce our local presence and a growing one. So uh, that's, uh, that's our position. That's our position. Where do you see the whole, this kind of communication heading? What are the possibilities? What are some of the tech reimagining uh, that you're doing and, and, and which you see? Because you have the lens, you know, the ringside view or inside view, the ringside view to what could happen. So what are some of the things that you are thinking? I think, Shraddha, the future of work um, has forever changed. Uh, I think in December, we would have all, you know, assumed that we would continue to trudge into our office and use, you know, workplace collaboration tools like Zoom as an auxiliary, as a supporting, a supplementary function. And I think what has been proved out through this pandemic is that you can be really productive on Zoom. You can be really productive sitting at your house. And really the biggest limiter is the amount of bandwidth that is coming to your home from the, you know, the, net, the network, the public network. And interestingly, I think businesses across the board, whether small, medium-sized businesses to enterprises are realizing the power of sort of an alternative workplace collaboration tool can provide or platform can provide. Um, you know, we ourselves hear it from our customers. Um, the pandemic, you know, it might not be a pandemic, you know, for very much longer. I don't know. It that depends on your geography, I think. In the U.S., it's sort of getting worse. Um, however, uh, the virus is going to be here. And I think it's changed the way businesses are looking in terms of, you know, workplace setup, do we still, we had moved, for example, even Zoom had moved from sort of the old school cubicles to just open seating, where I sat next to my, you know, my, my colleague, and we were about three feet apart. So in a time of six feet social distancing, or what the CDC tells us here in the United States, how is that possible? 
or how, how, do we, how do we sort of reimagine our workspaces when you go to the restroom, when you come back from the restroom, et cetera. To be honest, I think companies all over the globe are grappling with these issues um, and sort of deciding when is it safe to have mass numbers of folks go back into the office and how should they go back into the office? And I think people are realizing or leaders are realizing that they can do things like adjust the office to be a space for collaboration when you have certain projects or when you have certain sort of, you know, quick um, um, uh, catalyst to, to, to enable or when you have sort of a, a problem that you have to solve versus day-to-day -day work. It, you know, look, it saves on commute time. It increases productivity. You can fit a lot more in, in your day. Um, and the employees are being much more productive. So I think companies are starting to reimagine what work looks like. They are starting to realize that there's benefit to the company as well, not just the employee. You can start to look at talent all over the globe. You're not limited to you know, someone who lives within the vicinity of your office location. I think those aspects of life have forever changed. And there's just that much more opportunity to reimagine what work can mean for the individual and the company. You know, we're getting adjusted to the new normal in terms of the technology, in terms of the communication that we are doing like this. What are some of the things that, you know, companies like yours would be imagining or reimagining or thinking about? You know, I'll look, I'll sure, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, sorry, go ahead, Abe. <laughs> Thanks, Rob. I think, you know, again, there's been a, as a partner was saying, there's been so many use cases that I don't think we could have imagined like three months ago. You know, the fact that the UK parliament for the first time in 700 years moved from the parliament hall to a home-based approach to governing is amazing. Or the fact, you know, that we served 100,000 schools in 90 days where we provided the product for free, you know, in 25 countries, including India, to help guide education, that's manifested itself now into ways that people are contemplating hybrid learning and ways that, frankly, franchise people that maybe were never connected in the past. So the schoolroom can now be just about anywhere. And that's, I think, opening up a world of possibilities for how people learn and how people get connected. And then also, you know, frankly, small businesses and mid-sized businesses can compete in new ways using Zoom for whole, all kinds of different models which is opening up just unique possibilities for the economy, which is also pretty exciting, especially during a tough time. And then when you look at the largest of enterprises that shifted literally tens of thousands of employees in some cases overnight to home-based approach, it showed it was possible. You know, so I think as, as we think about the product, you know, we want to keep those use cases in mind and other applications, maybe that we haven't even considered yet. So one thing I think that's been really amazing to see about Zoom is we're very agile and we listen to what the customers are saying. You know, last year there were hundreds of features that we produced in a very short time. So in the, in last year we, we introduced hundreds of new features on the platform. I think that kind of innovation, uh, for example, you might've seen the release of Zoom for Home uh, last week, which thinks about the idea of bringing in, I guess you could say a home office approach at a very low cost, high quality way where people can, you know, turn their house into an office potentially. So, you know, we want to keep pushing uh, the creativity so that these use cases can come to bear. And then it's really up to, I think it's up to the market to decide 
how to apply it. And what we've seen through the pandemic is that the world can get very creative very fast. And hopefully the pandemic slows down and stops so that they can get creative fast without a global pandemic. You know, but we're here to continue to support that innovation. Both of you, you know, one of the big things that has come out during this pandemic is also the realization of, you know, not just shareholder value, but the stakeholder value and the value of communities, of people, of, you know, of us and how interconnected we are as a business. How do you look at stakeholder value? What are your, some of your uh, thoughts on engaging with the community, with the world, as you build and grow your business and your business is only going to grow. So look, Shraddha, it's really important for us that we follow our conscience uh, and do the right thing. And I said that, you know, when we saw what was happening largely outside of the U.S. Um, in late February, you know, February timeframe, we responded with our hearts. Um, you know, we, across the world, we lifted 40 minute time limits for, you know, K through 12 schools. Um, we provided a lot of connectivity to a whole host of people. Um, we kept our free service up even with, you know, the entire demand globally. I would say, you know, the first thought in our minds has been, it's a privilege to serve the globe during a time of need when we are particularly and uniquely positioned to do so with a great service that provides great reliability, frictionless video collaboration in a secure fashion. Um, that's first and foremost. I mean, I think Eric has mentioned on the last earnings call, we didn't really think about top line, bottom line. We just answered the call. And frankly, it started with the, ed with the education you know, service or providing free services for K through 12 across the world, because education happens to be one of the pillars of values that the company itself holds. I'll give you an example. We did, um, we, we established a foundation last year and our CFO took the charge and she did a lot of focus groups across the company to find out what do Zoomies care about? Zoomies are our affectionate term for ourselves. What do Zoomies care about? And the top three topics were education, climate change and homelessness. So for us, it was a no brainer to follow the call for education. And I think that has sort of driven the demand. I don't know even in my own experience, my son goes to, my, both my kids go to school here and the, the parents of the school, they finally said, oh my goodness, now I know what you do. Now I know what Zoom is. And it's largely because our school went online. And so once the parents started to see what was possible, then they started to incorporate it into their own lives. And as I said, my personal trainer, I used to see her once a week. Now she's telling me that she wants to see me on Zoom because, you know, who's going to a gym nowadays? So I think all of these things started with that follow the conscience sort of attitude. For us, you know, we, we have a motto um, that we follow. We care for our community. We care for our customers. We care for our stakeholders, including our shareholders. We care for our employees and we also care for ourselves. And this is a part of a broader care for the community. My favorite, you know, my favorite thing about Eric, our boss, is that he doesn't look at situations for the here and now. He is always about three or four steps ahead of everyone. And, you know, through this challenge, and, and mind you, the four months have been extremely challenging. 
we've done a lot. We've withered a lot of criticism and we sort of, you know, took our punches and risen above. But the one thing he keeps telling me, when even I'm stressed, you know, and I, and I say I'm stressed, he says, don't think about today. Think about what you, will, what you will say when you look back in 10 years, in 20 years, even 30 years, and what will you say is the legacy of Zoom? And at that point, nobody's going to care if you created shareholder value and grew your top line or your bottom line significantly. It's what is the value you contributed to society? And I think that has been our true north that we continue to operate with. If you just do your best at delivering value to society, everything else will come. And you can't really control it, uh, but it will come. We're all driven by a mission. So I think that's, that's exactly right. You know, we have a growing company. You know, we set out to do our best every day that we can. And, you know, the truth is they are our core values. You know, just like a part of my two children are, you know, doing Zoom school every day. And in the house, you know, my wife is celebrating a birthday party the other day on Zoom. And these are things that you kind of keep in your own mind to say when, when, when days are hard or you're working hard or you're trying to really ensure that we perform for the community and the markets, we're doing it with the right reason. And, you know, spot on to say, you know, Eric did remind us, when we look back 20 years from now, we're going to ask ourselves, did we do the right thing? And the answer is yes, we did do the right thing. And that's the most important part of, of this business. You know, a partner's got it up on her screen and she's right, we do care. And I think it's a heartfelt focus from the team that keeps us going. And we're going to do everything we can. You know, at the same time, I think we're building a nice business along the way too. So yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's a good, good outcome. And, you know, and thanks, for, thanks for letting us uh, tell our story here, by the way, Sharada. It's, it, it's, it's really a privilege to be on with you today. Entrepreneurs worldwide, and, and, and more so now I'm talking about my country because I represent the community of startups, entrepreneurs, uh, people who are trying to change status quo. You know, they are, sometimes they have to deal with a lot of negativity, a lot of criticism. What would you like to tell entrepreneurs? How have you dealt with it? And how have you uh, uh, come out of it? I'll, t I'll take a stab at that because I think actually the story of Zoom is pretty interesting. I remember sitting down with two young guys, or not so young at the time, but 2011, around 2011, a guy by the name of Eric Yuan and another guy by the name of uh, uh, Nick Chung, who had this crazy idea that they, that they felt that they could reinvent the market for video nine years ago in an industry that was already fairly crowded with a lot of global players and national players. And they did it with, with again, the core values of thinking, if we could serve the customer, if we can make them happy, if we can deliver a quality product and we can do it in a way that everybody gets access, whether that's through free or paid accounts, we think we're onto something. And I think it was that sort of sparkle to say anything's possible. So what I'd say to your community of entrepreneurs and aspiring, you know, business folks, small business or, or medium or large, anything's possible, you know, and I think, you know, we're, we're doing our best to empower that and to give access to a tool through free accounts and otherwise, so people can get their businesses started and growing uh, but, you know, if, if there's anything I learned from, from, from watching Zoom and now participating in the business over the last nine years, it's that it is possible. And even when the challenges are high, stay the course, you know, do your best and, 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 and be happy. If you're happy, you know, I think a lot of good comes of that. So, Yeah, I agree, Abe. And Shraddha, I will say that for me, there are two things especially for entrepreneurs, you know, and, and, and market conditions change and you 
can face very large competitors like Zoom has and continues to do. You can face sort of negative market dynamics. Things change on you, but even though your, your product or service is really, really good, you know, maybe the conditions have changed or the appetite has changed or dynamics have changed. Um, I would say two things come to mind. Number one, be flexible and be willing to adapt on a dime. Like change is not a bad thing. It's a good thing and view it as an opportunity. And so many times you know, we get stuck. We want to do, we believe in something in a particular philosophy or a particular, particular theory, and we are stuck on that. And we're not able to adjust to the moving um, market. You know, this, the saying never say never, it seems so quaint and trite, but it's true. Never say never because you never know what happens. And I think being able to change and being flexible is very important for entrepreneurs. The second thing, you know, I take from Eric, our CEO, he is probably the most positive, genuine man I have ever met. Um, and the positivity is endless. And when he looks at some of the, the, the pummeling we've received on the security front, fair or unfair, okay, his reaction is, this is great. It'll just make us better, you know? And it's just an unwavering positivity um, and willing to respond to criticism. I don't know if you've noticed, is the first person to say, I'm sorry and tell me more so I can, you know, fix my issue and then, you know, tell you that I fixed that issue and make you feel better about it. Um, it's just a very, very uh, great quality to have. And it will keep you in that, if you can be flexible too, and you can be positive too, it will keep you in a never ending improvement cycle.